Welcome everyone to the 2022 Plant Services Compressed Air Podcast Series sponsored by Kaiser Compressors. Each podcast in this four-episode series will tackle one of the many facets of compressed air system operation and costing. I'm Tom Wilk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, returning for this year's series, and today I'm joined by two compressed air experts from Kaiser, Neil Meltretter and Bill Kemp, for a discussion on alternative design strategies for your compressed air system. Neil is Technical Director for Kaiser Compressors, and he has conducted and supervised thousands of industrial compressed air studies to help plant teams achieve significant energy savings and operational improvements. Bill is a project manager for Engineered Solutions and has more than 20 years of experience with building, testing, designing, and installing compressed air system. Guys, welcome. Thank you for being part of the 2022 Compressed Air Podcast Series. Hello, Tom. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Tom. Good to be back. Well, and I'm looking forward to this topic, um, alternative design strategies. You know, it's it's going to help our listeners think outside the box on ways to really improve the operation design of their system. So, Bill, we'll start the series with a question for you, if that's okay. What are some of the top benefits of moving the air or, or rather moving the air system outside the plant? Well, Tom, there's many benefits. Um, they can range from freeing up plant space for other activities or production, removing sources of heat, noise, and getting those out of your plant, um, providing ease of access for service, which most people don't consider, um, while ensuring that the proper service clearances are maintained. Um, increasing security, that's a big point. Um, with doing that, you know, technicians are no longer required to enter a plant. Um, if often helps eliminate the need for any renovations, you know, for new construction, in the case the plant has to expand or adapt you know, to this, you know, any new equipment that may take place. Um, depending on the plant, there could be many more. Neil, to follow up on that first question, do you think there's an advantage for some types of processes versus others to go with this route with their compressed air system? And I'm thinking of the, the old saying that, you know, it, 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 every time you work on a piece of equipment, you have the potential to introduce defects. So I'm, I'm struck by that. Sure. You know, like Bill said in the first question, you know, most folks start thinking about moving the compressors or, or blowers, vacuum screws, boosters, whatever it may be, outside of the production floor for some specific reason. Um, you know, whether it be noise, whether it be safety, uh, whether it be access. You know, so we, we've seen uh, these type of enclosures go in. Uh, food processing, distribution facilities are very big. Uh, breathing air applications, you know, maybe that's a, a mobile system uh, where you have, you know, workers at various sites that are doing some kind of cleaning, um, recycling facilities or, or waste handling. Uh, those have become very big, you know, from a standpoint of high dust debris inside that facility that's really wreaking havoc on their rotating equipment now. And so they're coming to us and saying, you know, what can we do? I said, well, have you done this? Yes. Have you done this? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, maybe we started, you know, introducing something different uh, in the environment, somewhere we can control it. Uh, metal fabricating's big. Uh, wastewater treatment facilities, even as well, we've seen that with uh, 
our uh, rotary low blowers or screw blowers, um, cement facilities too. So, you know, it, it, it really begs the question, you know, why are we going to do this? And, and most folks are looking at, you know, can we make this system more reliable? Uh, are we having ventilation problems right now? Um, you know, is, is it an electrical feed issue uh, where it might be easier if the equipment's outside closer to that feed? So we, we, we see the gambit and we can certainly support the gambit, but you know, for me, reliability is probably the most paramount. And, and when we do or are able to move that rotating equipment outside of the facility, that really helps. It sounds like answering that question of why is a big part of the process that may lead to considering alternative design, design strategies, you know, to, to break the mindset of we do it because we do it. You know, now we're going to do something because it's the best thing for the plant. Absolutely. And what we find is, um, you know, most folks have started to run out of space and they might be expanding. Say, well, where am I going to put this? Mm -hmm. And as an alternative to, you know, putting it in a closet or, you know, dare I say, in a bathroom, um, we've seen that too, you know, where there's, there's no windows and no doors and, you know, we, we've talked about this, I think, last time too. You know, it it makes it a lot easier to to like like you said at the outset. Um, you know, open your mind uh, or think outside the box. And what's interesting is, say, you know, when you said that, keyed in on, let me think of a box. You know, what size box can I put this stuff in to make it uh, reasonable? Um, and and that does work. Well, that's a good segue to uh, my next question, which I'm going to ask Bill. Um, about some of the more granular considerations for doing this kind of design. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that face plant teams when, when they wanna do this? They wanna put the air system moved outside the plant. You know, Tom, what I've seen is one of the, the bigger challenges is, you know, personnel acceptance. You know, they're used to having things a certain way for many years. And um, it's just hard for them to adapt and change, you know, so it's, it takes all that additional effort, you know, to emphasize the benefits. So they, they come to a understanding, you know, another, another is the cost, you know, initially they see the, the main dollar figure. However, you know, it, it, it seems expensive. However, are they, you know, considering adapting new equipment into that old or, um, existing facility, you know, and then the margin starts to narrow. Interesting. Well, and your point about the people aspect of this reminds me of uh, many conferences that I've been to. I just returned from one last week in Clearwater, Florida, where the importance of doing the cultural work was really driven home. We even had an applied anthropologist give a presentation on doing a little bit of, bit of field work into what habits people are, are into and what habits they, they don't have so that people introducing new ways of thinking and new systems can get those to be adopted more quickly. Yeah, it all has to be relatable. I find that fascinating in, in multiple uh, tiers. And, and I have a follow-up question for you on this too. But you know, what I, I find really interesting and in, in helping folks adapt is that data push. So with whatever it might be, enclosure, skid, uh, container, you know, mm -hmm we're building in a master controller in these systems so that we can push this data out, whether it be alarms, messages, warnings, or 
you know, simple information on your compressed air equipment so that customers can see some things in real time or, or get data in real time. And you can do this with your existing equipment. It may be a little bit difficult if the equipment's antiquated, but for most installations with an individual controller, a PLC type controller, you can get this information out. And so it's a great talking point to, to help people kind of jump into that 21st century because we all have phones. In some cases we have multiple and you're constantly looking at these things, whether you're walking or, you know, you're supposed to be listening to what someone else is saying, you might be on that. So it's, it's a great opportunity for us to really bring that compressed air system in, in real time to that, that person. And as a follow-up question to you, did you get to Frenchies on Clearwater Beach? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. There you that go. was that was a that was a great night. <laughs> it's uh it's a tight knit community down there. It's really interesting. Um, you know, you you've, you've got the performers in every venue sort of doing their own thing, and yeah, it's it was beautiful too. Great, glad you had a good week. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question about cost. Bill brought this up, so. How does the cost of doing things um, differently, moving the system outside the plant, compare to more traditional methods? Yes, you. To to Bill's point, um, I think we we kind of alluded to it a little earlier, but in general, that there's a shock factor when you look at an enclosure, skid, container, whatever it might be, and you see, oh, you know, the equipment is X Y Z, and when you look at it packaged, it might be double. And so most folks think, yeah, well, that, that's a stop measure right there. We, we can't move forward. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but you have to understand that a lot of that design and engineering is already into that and all that hardware. So, you know, in, in most cases, like, let's say we're talking about a couple 25 horsepowers, you know, most facilities would drop them in a room, um, hopefully put in necessary inlet louvers and an exhaust fan to bring that heat out. Um, but in general, a lot of folks overlook that. And so on the smaller systems, I would say per capita, it's gonna be certainly more expensive than let's say putting it in a room. But as you start to get into you know, multiple compressors and you know, we're talking 100 horsepower, 200 horsepower, that cost benefit starts to, to push towards the enclosure. And what we do see um, in, in a lot of these cases, uh, you know, like I alluded to before, it's, it's a footprint or it's a space situation. You know, maybe it's we're selling this to a third party who's then making something else. So it's part of their package and all that's outside the compressor room. So, you know, when, when we talk about cost, it's if we were going to retrofit equipment into an existing space, you know, what's it going to cost to demo that? Um, if we have to bring new electrical, what's that going to cost? What's the cost of ventilation, new piping? And all that is going to be included in your enclosure, skid, container, et cetera. So you're, you're essentially paying for it, but it's usually from a different party. So third-party mechanical, something like this, whereas you're seeing all that up front in your enclosure and, and you know, maybe you get sticker shock. Um, other things, if if you could not fit it into the existing existing space, then what about building a new compressor room? And what's it going to take to retrofit that? And then, you know, delivery times as well. 
to have somebody come out and construct it. If there's, you know, obviously there are going to be permits required and so on. So that's, and when we talk about it, you know, maybe we're talking about a little bit higher or a lot higher, depending on what, what size system you're looking at. So again, if you're looking at several hundred horsepower, you're probably in a much better space than you are with the smaller systems. But again, you know, what is it you're trying to gain from putting this in a, in a separate space? So great question. Bill, let me ask you a couple of engineering type questions uh, outside the plant location. Um, there's a lots of different environmental uh, climate differences between regions of the U.S. all over the world, too. Um, is there any limitation on the system when it comes to weather conditions? For example, extreme temperatures, um, high winds, um, and, and secondarily, maybe you could talk a little bit about the size of the system, too. Um, whether 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 there's any size constraints given out, outdoors installations. You know, there's many things out there that can affect the performance of the said package that we're talking about. You know, mm -hmm. and weather is one of the biggest factors that people overlook. Um, this is why it's always important right from the get-go that, you know, we have a location for that site. We do an evaluation to know you know, what's the heat load, how cold, how rainy, how dry, you know, so we have all those factors um, to play with when we're initially designing. Um, because the compressor, you know, the compressor itself is such a um, great benefit and resource that people overlook. I mean, you can utilize such aspects as the exhaust heat. Um, in those cold environments to reheat the room to maintain that operating temperature in those real cold environments. Um, and if you're dealing with the, the heat um, or a hot environment like Arizona or New Mexico or stuff, you can insulate the walls to abate those and um, retroact any kind of um, loading that you may have from the heat. So there's a wide variety. What factor does size play when it comes to these systems? Is there is there a size limitation or can people sort of add on as they need to as they go? You know, the, the great thing about a, a closure is it's built from the ground up. Mm -hmm. So we can design them to accommodate a wide variety of equipment. Um, the only real limitation that we have with an enclosure is that it can be transport, you know, we can transportate it down the interstate. We can get it from point A to point B. Um, dependent on the size, it may be become modular or multiple pieces and have to be um, put together on site. Um, it can be planned ahead to have future expansion so that we can account for those growing businesses that need to look for the future um, we can build that in, um, still make it all outdoors, not affect the main production, um, and keep the ball rolling per se. Yeah, space is space is pretty paramount, and Bill Bill totally touched on all these things. You know, the limitation is transportation. You know, so if 
you, you always get on the interstate and you're like, oh, I'm behind the wide load. Great. I'm not going to be able to pass. And, and so these are things that, you know, we're not thinking about you as a driver, like, oh, we're, we're not, we're very worried about you. We're, we're thinking more about what's the cost to bring it from point A to point B and, you know, how, how big or small can we make it? So, you know, height restrictions are one thing and then the width restriction and also the length. So, you know, you're not going to see an enclosure that's, you know, complete, that's going to be over 50 feet. That's not going to fit on a trailer. Right. And we're also cognizant of, you know, height restrictions in various parts of the country. So we don't want to make it too tall. Um, you know, so these are things that we engineer into the package and, and consider and you hit it on the head too, you know, can, can we make a modular, um, can, can we have one side open and then you can put these things together on site. Uh, we're, we've seen a lot of pod type systems go in. So, you know, customer says, ah, I need a thousand CFM. So we look at, okay, well, here's an enclosure that has two 500 horsepower or 500 CFM compressors. And then here's another package that has two 500 CFM compressors. So we can build in that redundancy. We see that too. And, you know, when customers start looking at buying air as a subscription, then this makes it a little bit easier also from a modular standpoint when, when customers are interested in paying for a CFM versus paying for capital cost. Well, Neil, you know, I, I know of segment air utility from discussions we've had before about you know, solutions that plant teams can, can engage with when, say, they're underhanded or uh, understaffed due to retirements, what have you. Could you talk a little bit about what segment air utility is and how it factors into this conversation about alternative design strategies? Sure. You know, um, Sigma Utility is, is Kaiser's branded uh, name for um, compressed air that we sell direct to a customer. So this allows customers to focus on their product, what they do very well, and allows Kaiser to be their provider. So Kaiser owns the equipment. Um, Kaiser services the equipment so that, you know, that pie chart, if you would, of capital cost and maintenance costs that is, is something that you pay for monthly. Um, of course, customer pays for energy in that regard, and we're designing it to be as efficient as possible. The great thing too is, you know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, having that touch point, having data. And so reporting features are part of that as well from a monthly standpoint on what your usage is and so on, very helpful. Um, this works well for customers are looking to balance, let's say, cost of unit of production uh, versus, you know, what their um, what their output is versus their input. So, if it's a balance sheet type thing, most customers think, okay, well, if I can shift the focus to a different balance sheet on the cost of capital equipment, maybe that's going to help me out. Um, also, customers who may not have the cash on hand to to make that capital cost, this might work well for them as well. We've seen it on greenfield projects, meaning we're, we're putting this new plan in and we're going to outsource the compressed air equipment to you. Uh, we've seen it uh, replacing aged equipment. So it, it's also helpful when customers understand what their maintenance costs are. So if they're putting a lot of money into aged equipment or if they need rental capacity at this time, um, the Sigma utility looks a little bit more advantageous for them as well. You know, as, as long as Kaiser knows what the flow, pressure, and air quality is, and we have an idea on those 
ambient condition and the design requirements, it makes it easier to, to figure out what size system to, to do. And the redundancy involved with that, whether, you know, compressors, dryers, filtration as well. It lends well to the alternative design strategy because it allows Kaiser to design the whole thing um, in our facility here and it's prepackaged. So once it gets on site, really all you got to do is, you, you know, you have to have the pad ready to go, um, have to rig it into the, the point and then whether there's Obviously, there's probably going to be tanks and you got to mount those things, but the amount of work that you have to do on site is limited, which you know most customers are, are pretty excited about because they want to pull that trigger and, you know, it's go time. Well, Bill and Neil, we're at about time. That, that's a wrap for this episode. I want to thank you guys for being here today and talking about this alternative design strategy, which I'm not sure how many plants out there engage in this, but it sounds like it's something which plants should always be able to consider when they're specking uh, new or, or update, upgraded compressor systems. Yeah, exciting stuff. Thanks, Tom. All right. And for those who are listeners uh, of this compressor series, watch for future episodes, which are planned for release one per quarter this year. Um, thanks once again to Bill and Neil, and thanks to our sponsor, Kaiser Compressors. And thank you for listening.